0: Pandemic, social unrest, the state, and the White House. You are listening to the John DePietro Show. Well, good afternoon, everyone, on this uh, sunny and pleasant. My goodness, what a nice stretch of weather we're having. Feels like spring. It is not spring yet, but right now it is 106. It's uh, sunny today. Not as, quite as nice as yesterday but folks it's Sean DePetro AM 1380 99.9 FM remember you can always listen online at the website which is Depetro.com this portion of the program on this uh, lovely Wednesday is brought to you by R.E. Coogan and Heating I want to find um, there was a nice piece done by our friend uh, with done by Coogie here we go A uh, very nice piece Some audio that was put together on him. Let me just play this quickly because I think the world of the guy in uh, for all your plumbing and heating and cooling needs, R.E. Coogan and Heating, known for providing uh, customers with professional, reliable, superior service. I want to play. Let me just play this just for a moment. I saw it and I just loved it because it captures them is what it does. So this is, um, folks, R.E. Coogan and Heating. Call them today. I'll give you the phone number. Just a moment. Let's hear it. Here is. Uh, here we go. This should be it. Local business leader. I think it is.
1: Heating is known for providing
2: their customers with professional, reliable, superior service in plumbing, heating,
1: and cooling. I am a veteran of almost 10 years of service between the united states navy which i signed up on my 17th birthday how about and then that I joined the army national guard for five and a half years okay. I Served three years on an aircraft carrier to saratoga doing what i kind of do now engineering piping boilers when i got out came into the field of working for different companies oil companies and branched off into plumbing and picked up air conditioning along the way and, and now i'm here 25 years later in business Relationships is key. We don't want to just get in really fast and get out really fast. We're looking for a long-term relationship with the customer. My team, they're willing to stay late to get people heat. You know, they're willing to stay late to finish up a job to get the air conditioning done. 24-hour service, emergency service for our customers and with a, a service agreements and memberships. I was one of the founders of Back the Blue. law enforcement community is pretty big with Ari e. Coogan. Yep. My goal for the future is to have another location. Also, more people and ever bigger teams. We're here to do the best we can for you. We want to be successful. We want to do it right. And we want to get you heat and comfort. For more information on Ari e. Coogan Heating or to be featured yourself, visit W.
0: I love that. He is terrific, folks. Call. Doesn't he sound great? I'm glad I know him. I'm glad he's my friend. 732-6562. Call R.E. Coogan and Heating today. Well, folks, good afternoon. It's John DiPietro. It's AM 1380, 99.9 FM. Now, Facebook situation. No Facebook today. We're adjusting the camera. We're still on the temporary page. Our normal page will be back after next week. And so I'm getting a lot of different email and messages. Juan, where are you? How come you're not on feet? Well, day off. And that was, by the way, thank you. Um, that was me on uh, Newsmax yesterday. I received an email from someone that said, did I see you on Newsmax? It was someone either that sounded like you and looked like you. No, that was me. <laughs> someone that looked like you and sounded like you. Very good reason for that. Yes, it was me. Um, and so uh, maybe I'll, I'll play um, a little bit of that before our time is up. But it was nice. Folks, fourth time on Newsmax fourth time in what two months i think that's gonna i think that's gonna happen more often put it that way very good reviews on that um and what's going on at the border by the way is just like completely out of control but let me play some audio the situation at the border by the way that this is uh biden's doing they can't blame this one on president trump that they cannot do so the biden people created the problem at the border President Biden is going to address the nation tomorrow night. He's got to decide whether or not in fact is he the president or is he just like a substitute teacher because he's getting rolled by these teacher unions, especially out in California. And at the border, the basic feeling is that if you can get into the United States you can stay. That's that's the he didn't they didn't craft any legislation. They didn't come up with something that everybody is signing on to. They basically he did executive order and they're not enforcing the law. That's what's going on. And so, you know, don't pretend the Biden people, yeah, there's a and, and Mexico changed the law. Mexico now says that if you have a child, you can't detain someone that has a child. So the 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 children, as terrible as it is, but young children are used like as currency, basically. The situation at the border is um is is just atrocious. As a matter of fact, I believe there's a press briefing right now, and I want to tap into it because Texas Texas is dealing with this, and it is a a crisis at the border. This is the coordinator for the southern border. Let's listen In a, a little bit. Central
2: American Northern Triangle strategy will be part of our foreign assistance request. And we'll focus on the things we know that work. Obviously, it's not our first rodeo the vice president, the president when he was vice president worked on these issues. We know how to get money to communities that are most likely to send migrants, but also that are suffering the greatest effect of two hurricanes this season, et cetera. So it will be part of our overall foreign assistance package. In the meantime... We are focused on getting humanitarian assistance to these countries after Hurricanes Zeta and iota. So in that sense it's part of a larger plan, but obviously there are parts of this that will be on the domestic side as well to fix the whole um, extent of our immigration processing. And what else is the administration doing right now to work with these home countries, to send a message People don't come here, don't send your children here. Nothing. Right. Well, I think you know one of the most important things is to make sure that we get communications right and the message right. And, and I'm happy to repeat that. But I think it's also important that we work with the international organizations that have very credible voices wow. and have very good networks among migrant-sending communities to dispel the myths and misinformation that smugglers are using. Right? When we talk about the border not being open and you know the ways in which we're trying to dissuade people from making, making that dangerous journeys, the smugglers are conveying exactly the opposite to people. So we need to make sure we get that message out. We also need to be looking at things like the CAM program, the Central American Miners program, as I talked about, and how we can expand that how we can make that you know eligibility greater but the next step is to look at solutions in the region right what more can we do to process people legally who really do require protection so they don't have to make that journey and we're looking at all of those things and finally you said that this isn't your first rodeo should the administration have been better prepared to handle this influx of children before it changed the policy allowing them to stay in the country well i think there's a couple things i think what we're doing right now is making a difference in the home countries beginning to work with governments you know that couldn't start until january 20th there there is one government at a time you can't start changing processes of government building facilities, all of this is part of the plan as quickly as possible to make sure that our domestic processes work more smoothly, more quickly, as I mentioned, but also to work with foreign governments. And you can't do that obviously until January twentieth when you when you take over. But there have been multiple engagements with the government of Mexico at very high level, with the government of Guatemala, with the Honduran government in Salvadoran in the first, you know, six weeks of government. So I think we've gotten off to a big start, a fast start in that engagement.
1: Uh, thank you,
0: uh, uh, Ambassador. Uh, uh, on Honduras, how does the administration balance the need for cooperation from that government with ongoing concerns about corruption there, particularly uh, federal prosecutors who say that the president is with working on a plan
1: to flood the United States with cocaine.
2: Well, I think one of the things that I made clear in the opening um, comments, which I want to reiterate, is that none of the money that we're looking to get from, from Congress, from the taxpayers of the United States, goes to government leaders. And so I, I don't think that means that presidents are unimportant in these countries, but I do think that it's important to understand that we will be working with civil society, with Um, international organizations and international NGOs on the ground. Um, We will work with officials that we can work with, but we also think it's really important that these countries make commitments, really explicit commitments, to advancing on anti-corruption, and in some places that will be hard to do if you've got officials for whom there is a cloud, and I think we need to work with the organizations that we can in countries. In some places, we will work with religious organizations, NGOs, with etc. Um, it, it's a challenge in countries that have confronted serious uh, corruption risks. I just
0: one follow-up: like, What mechanism is in place for how do you possibly safeguard that funding to make sure it stays
1: out of the hands, perhaps, corrupt politicians?
2: Well, I think one of the things that we've always done always and and 31 years of the state department has taught me this is we do end use monitoring right our embassies and and people that we work with are looked at before they're recipients of funds and we do checks and we look at what's being done with the funds right we also don't deliver money in most cases we deliver training we deliver new lighting facilities that reduce violence and, and crime. You know, so, so a lot of what you do, it's not handing over blank text, and I think that's really important in this.
1: Yeah. Thank you very much. You are talking about restarting CAM, these other long-term goals for what immigration policy should look like, but right now, new CNN reporting shows that unaccompanied migrant children are being held in these Border Patrol facilities for, on average, 107 hours. That's up from, I believe, 77 hours on average last week. So what is the Biden administration doing right
2: now to fix that? Well, I think, you know, my part of this focuses much more on what we're doing at the end of this process in Central America and Mexico. I think all of us at every stage of this process are doing everything we can to make sure that children are well cared for and moved into facilities that are appropriate for them. But I want to make a point again that it's really important that people not make the dangerous journey in the first place, that we provide them with alternatives to making that journey because it's not safe. On route um, and so you know if, if I could just emphasize that that it's really important that that message get out because the perception is not the same as the reality in terms of the border not being open but we want to provide through CAM through other mechanisms ways for some of these young people to be reunited with family members in the United States. Así que, yo creo muy Attention, sanctuary
0: people of Rhode Island.
2: All illegals are encouraged to head towards Providence.
0: Providence.
2: You're telling them not to come,
1: just to follow up quickly. You're telling
2: them they should not come. Would you oh,
0: good afternoon, it's Sean Pico. This all is a Biden crisis at the border. How
1: these numbers are spiking so much, week by week. You know, I think
2: that... I really, I'm not trying to be cute here, but I think the fact of the matter is we have to do what we do regardless of what anybody calls the situation. And the fact is we are all focused on improving the situation, on changing to a more humane and efficient system, and and whatever you call it wouldn't change what we're doing, because we have urgency from the president on down to fix our system and make sure that we are better at dealing with the hopes and the dreams of these migrants in their home country. Ah. Uh, Madam Ambassador, do you
0: think it's a coincidence that as soon as were this, is and this system, policy, we're on the way out? Southern border this, coordinator. So, listen to this question. This historic surge the
2: war well, first of all, one of the things I think is important is we've seen surges before. Surges tend to respond to hope, and there was a significant hope for a more humane policy after four years of you know pent up demand. So I don't know whether I would call that a coincidence, but I certainly think that the idea that a more humane policy would be in place may have driven people to make that decision. But perhaps more importantly, it definitely drove smugglers to express disinformation to spread disinformation about what was now possible and we know that, that if, if the change in administration brought hope then from your perspective is this surge good I, I don't think that's what i just said i think it's a reflection of how migrants feel at a particular time i think what we are doing migrants is making Making sure that we respond to that hope for people who need protection. We respond to that hope in a way that their cases can be adjudicated more quickly. But I don't think anybody would say that coming to the United States in an irregular fashion is a good thing. That's why I've tried repeatedly to dissuade people from from listening to those smugglers. Um, But we're going to try our best. To do everything we can at each end of this in the United States, but especially in We're Central letting America and Mexico to ensure we have safe, orderly, and legal
1: migration.
0: Um, We're illegally coming in. Vice
1: President is very active on uh, working with the Northern Triangle countries, and I was just wondering were there lessons that you or he or other administration officials, many of whom are in in jobs in this administration have learned about how to deal with those countries or how to deal with foreign aid to them um, that are informing how you're approaching things now? And just to kind of follow up a little but on what Peter was asking, uh, are you concerned at all about kind of mixed messaging? That at the same time that you are telling people not to come, that the journey is dangerous, that because you are offering this, this talk about a more humanitarian process, that people will not you know, pay attention to the fact that they could apply from home, from their home country, that they would still come, that they are still you know, so hopeful that there really is kind of a conflicting message coming from
2: Washington to Central America? So on the first question, the question of learning things from when the vice president was leading a lot of our efforts in Central America previously, um, I think yes, that's a resounding yes. Both the president and all of us who worked with him on that, for him on that, um, learned a great deal. And I think that it's really important that we put that to use now. One of the things he thinks is so important is being really explicit with leadership in the countries from which migrants are coming about commitments that they need to make because overcoming the reasons people migrate is not going to be the United States job alone, right? If we realize that it's lack of good governance, economic opportunity, and security issues or violence, then some of those require commitments by the governments on anti-corruption and transparency, on creating governments that function better to provide services for their country. So he's very clear on being sure that we get those commitments from leaders and holding them to it, right? The, the money is not a tap that gets turned on all at once. You have to make sure that you're continuing to follow those issues. So I think there's a lot of things we learned and a lot of things we learned about ensuring that funds get to The communities that are really in need, whether it's post-hurricane or uh, coffee rust, which was ravaging Guatemala and Honduras, or, you know, a historic drought. Um, I think when you look at the issue of mixed messages, um, it, it is difficult at times to convey both hope in the future and the danger that is now, and that is what we're trying to do. And I I will certainly agree that we are trying to walk and chew gum at the same time. We are trying to convey to everybody in the region that we will have legal processes for people in the future. And we're standing those up as soon as we can. But at the same time, you cannot come through irregular means, it's dangerous, and, you know, the majority of people will be sent out of the United States because that is the truth of it. We want to be honest with people. And so we are trying to send both messages, and smugglers are only trying to send one message. So we're relying on every means we can to get that message out there, and that leads me to want to reiterate, as I did before, que la frontera está cerrada. Attention, es, no es all illegals, the mayor es de llegar a los of Estados Providence de welcomes you. Senator, can you say a word more about what you're
1: talking about?
0: Folks, this is a live press briefing.
1: You're
0: on, the air air exactly crisis crisis on the illegal alien border crisis story on the John DePito show. You know, right now it's 126.
1: Really what sort of leverage does
0: the so, so I, I want to stay with this just a little bit longer. This is a major story. The Biden border crisis right here. 126 on the sunny Wednesday of the John DePito show.
2: I think the implication of your question, which is quite right, is we can't make the changes. We can encourage them. We can help support them with resources, both technical assistance and and funding, but we can't make those changes. The changes have to come in the Northern Triangle countries. What I should say is my own experience from traveling to those places. There are myriad of people and organizations who are trying to make those changes. And part of what we want to do is empower them, whether that's more effective, um, you know, uh economic support, whether it's training for young people, whether it's anti uh programs, whether it's mother's clubs and and empowering local communities, all of that gets done through people on the ground, not by the United States. So we want to be able to empower those actors. I also think that it's really important when you say what leverage do you have? Well, um, I do think that Working as partners with these countries means sitting down and talking about what we can do together. But also if American taxpayers' funds are going to be used, then that is a certain amount of leverage. The president really wants to move forward on this, but he won't unless he feels he has those commitments on an ongoing basis. Is that leverage? Um, You know, funds are, are sometimes important. Means of having that conversation. Your your first question was on. Remind me. Um, well, let me just follow up. A no, minute no, minute. no, you can't follow up. You have to go back to the first I one.
1: <laughs> were you, I mean, are you saying explicitly the U.S. could withhold funding,
2: whether it's state uh, department uh, or USAID? You know, I, I think I think the really important thing to know is we're looking forward to getting this. Um, proposal before Congress and having Congress act on it. And what comes after that, you know, I just don't know. Um, you know, the, uh, an executive branch can always, you know, adjust things like that. I also think it's really important to understand, you asked about the private sector. The private sector in all of these countries, in Central America in particular, is a really important player here. And, and I think, to be very honest, we have not seen seen them step up. One of the mechanisms that was really effective under the Obama-Biden administration was for every dollar that the US put into an assistance program, we asked for private sector organizations, local chambers of commerce or business organizations to either match us or exceed us. This gives the private sector skin in the game. It makes sure that they are part of the solution. If the governments in these countries don't always have enough resources to do what they should to improve the economic opportunity for people, there are private sector organizations and and members of the private sector, the business community, who need to be part of that solution. And, And so we just feel that that's really an important element to this. We talked about international organizations, governments, NGOs. I don't want to leave out the business community as a as a participant.
1: Okay, last two, or last, last three, if you have time. <laughs> okay, thank you. Good. Um, so, Ambassador, just to follow up on Andres' question, jump out of this briefing at the White Folks, House.
0: Folks, again, uh, good afternoon. It's John DePietro. This is um, you've been listening. It's a live press briefing at the White House right now. It's one thirty. Thought it was important just because of everything that is uh, going on. Situation at the border. Um, it is uh, it is really. Um. really incredible just how bad it is and um, and something needs to be done something needs to be done what's also uh, amazing the number of people from Venezuela that are coming in I mean all we hear about right from people in this country is how rotten the country is and and, and and you're also hearing a lot about, well, you know, it's going to be a super spreader and blah, blah, blah. And obviously that's they're not concerned so much seemingly about the border, but they they are encouraging people to come in and they're not stopping them. And it, it's, it's obviously um, it's obviously folks a, a major problem right now because. Exactly with with what's going on at at the border. Let me I want to just dip back into into this uh, briefing
2: changes in countries um, or that training is given. This is
0: the uh, White House Southern Border Coordinator, Roberta Jacobson.
2: Longer term policy questions that need to be addressed with our partners. ...in the region because they all have an impact on whether migration flows increase or not. And so when the president talks about root causes, some of this is immediate humanitarian aid, but a lot of it is policy and aid together, making sure that you tackle the root causes of migration. Otherwise, what you see is continued cycles, right? To break that cycle of migration sustainably, you have to work both. On the the specific commitments for governments, I think that's something that we would want to discuss with the countries involved before we discuss it publicly. (laughs) Thanks.
1: Uh, The president's executive powers. Do you think the president will consider using his executive powers to reunite families who have been separated under zero zero tolerance? Well, that.
2: Outside of the the family reunification task force that was created, which is exactly to do that? that. Are you talking about people who are not in the same country? The families that were uh, separated, would the president use any more executive power? I'm sorry, but do you mean families who were separated when in the United States? Uh,
1: Yeah, Uh, during during, uh, zero tolerance in the
2: past. Well, that's exactly what the family reunification task force is doing. Right,
1: so nothing beyond
2: that. It deals with the whole universe of people separated during that policy, so not that I know of.
1: Okay. All right, last turn back. A uh, couple questions. Uh, Congress appropriated almost $1.4 billion for this fiscal year for the border wall that you all are not building. Uh, how much of that is left? Are you guys redirecting it at all and to what uh, along the border right now? Uh, secondly, you, you discussed messaging. Arguably, your predecessor's entire theory of their immigration agenda was that they were trying to send this message, don't come, America is closed to irregular migration. So obviously you're pursuing some different policies, but what can you actually do differently than they did to try to get that message if you know it wasn't fixed <laughs> already with that kind of oppressive message? Well, on the
2: first question regarding the border, wall, the president has been very clear about um, ending uh, the national emergency or the emergency of the border that that was used to justify the wall and and obviously not proceeding with it, the exact um, legal requirements and where that those funds might go, I just I just don't know. I'm sorry. Um, let me let me talk about um, the, the message issue. I mean, I think. I think it's really important to understand that that you can't and shouldn't say in this administration's opinion that the only way to message do not come in an irregular fashion is to act as cruelly as you possibly can, separate children from their parents, return people to places that like the camp migrant camp in Matamoros you know for up to two plus years at a time and that's the only way that you can get your message across this administration's belief is that we can get our message across that it is a more humane policy by opening up avenues of legal migration which will encourage people to take those legal options and go through the asylum process if they're seeking that and not take the irregular road. I think you have to find different ways to message, but if messaging reflects your actions, that is why we are increasing the actions for legal migration so that the message is, you have another option. Last one. Thank you. Let
1: me ask a question in Spanish for our audience con tanta desesperación en Centroamérica y si los cambios no son inmediatos en esos países, ¿y los cambios que ustedes proponen, no? el cambio inmediato? Entonces, ¿cómo
0: les ayudan a la gente?
1: Bueno,
2: primero, reitero este el mensaje que no realmente van a llegar ahora porque la frontera está cerrada y lamentablemente
0: does welcome Tomamos, everyone
2: va a tomar tiempo para abrir los Providence. otros caminos que son legal Pero tenemos que eh, subrayar que eh, hay cosas que podemos hacer ahora mismo. Y uno es ese programa However, de, de, de jóvenes menores este, de Centroamérica que estamos reabriendo hoy día eh, para padres de familia en los Estados Unidos en estado legal con so personas,
0: personas y uh,
2: niños en los, en centroamérica uh, que fueron est- abandonados digamos este durante la, la administración previa. Pero podemos decir también que vamos a anunciar
0: Mayor Laws is very unreliable.
2: If you do
0: go to Rhode Island,
2: dirt bikes are legal. De ese nueva al Congreso. Just don't tell the police. Again, folks,
0: good afternoon. They, um, Folks, it's John DePietro on AM 1380 and 99.9 FM. Folks, again, um, the Sanctuary City policy by Mara Lorza. Um, you know, we are really going to be stuck if this guy becomes the governor. This portion of the John DePietro show is It's My Health. 1099 Menden Road in Cumberland. Stop it and see on this sunny Wednesday. Shop local. And pick up some nice, healthy products. Go see my friend Marie at It's My Health, 1099 Menden Road in Cumberland. You can call her at 401-305-3585. Vitamins, herbal remedies, local products, over 250 bulk herbs, teas, and spices. Purchased by the ounce, plus box herbs and teas. And hemp and CBD products. Now, right across from Davenport Restaurant, I bet you have driven past that old white church i encourage you to stop in and see marie at it's my health 1099 mendon road in cumberland and remember on top of that she also has tremendous bulk herbs teas and spices teas and spices be purchased by the ounce plus box herbs and teas it's my health because it's your health 1099 mendon road in cumberland well folks good afternoon It's John DePietro on AM 1380 and 99.9 FM. Now, I was talking about it a little bit earlier. And uh, I just, how about the Wall Street Journal really goes after Senator Sheldon Whitehouse, by the way. They have an editorial. Senator Sheldon Whitehouse threatens congressional action if the U.S. Supreme Court doesn't follow his orders on uh, amicus brief disclosure rules. So they write Sheldon Whitehouse versus the Supreme Court. So it is... um, Really, really incredible. So, as I mentioned, the briefing is not tomorrow. The briefing is going to be Friday at 11, and we will be there. If you want to get in touch with me, by the way, if I can help you in to the John DePietro Show weekdays, folks, we start at 11. We go until 2. It's AM 1380, 99.9 FM. You can always listen online at the website, depetro.com And all you do is, if you log on at depetro.com. no eyes. And then on the left hand side, you'll see click on listen live, and you do that, and then you just press the play button. And we have people that listen to that and are able to listen wherever they are. Some people go, you know, south for the wintertime, or maybe they go skiing out west or different places and wherever. People listen from all over. Maybe you just listen somewhere, or you live somewhere, and you're just not able to pick up the, either the 99.9 FM or the AM 1380. It's always an option to go to the website. Now, on the website, by the way, On the right-hand side, you'll see... All right, and there we go. We are back. My Facebook page. All right, sorry about that, JR. I'm not exactly sure what happened, but we will get it straightened out. Just let me know when we are back. Folks, again, good afternoon. Right now, it's 1.40, and this is John DePietro on AM 1380 and 99.9 FM. Remember, you can always listen online at the website, which is depietro.com. So we had a... um, Sorry about that, folks. We had a minor glitch i'm not exactly sure what what went wrong <clears throat> but we will get that straightened out and it seems like it is actually straightened out as we uh, speak right now so this portion of the john dipetro show on this sunny wednesday now again i was mentioning that the briefing is um tomorrow the briefing is not tomorrow all right let me reset here the briefing COVID briefing is not tomorrow it's friday today's wednesday Guess what? Tomorrow is Thursday. That's right. Friday is the next briefing at eleven o'clock, and we will uh, carry it. Obviously. Now, as I was mentioning, this portion of the John DePietro show at one forty-one is brought to my brother's disposal. Come on, brother, call excuse me, Brother's Disposal today, now offering weekly trash collection services. Call Brother's Disposal, 401-688-0517, 401-688-0517. It's Brother's Disposal. They can uh, do weekly trash collection services at Brother's Disposal. Also, they also call them for an estimate. Call Roland or Willie, 401-688-0517, or... Let's just get a purple dumpster in your driveway. Brother's Disposal, 401-688-0517. Look for them on Facebook. It's the purple and yellow. It's Brother's Disposal. So I mentioned the Wall Street Journal going after Rhode Island Senator Sheldon Whitehouse. And I am uh, very glad to hear about that. He has had these battles going on. And the Wall Street Journal continues to hold him accountable. And um, I also want to... <clears throat> Let me just see. Let's see. Oprah and Meghan and Harry lifted CBS this morning, 4.8 million viewers on Monday. Last week, it was 2.8 million. You know, for the first time I watched that CBS this morning this week, Monday marked the first time CBS has ever topped Good Morning America in the Today Show. <laughs> huge, huge, huge let's see here is i'm seeing this providence officials will hold a press conference tomorrow at noon regarding atvs in the city and mayor alorza will be there so that's interesting so we'll see i may be there tomorrow i'm not sure some other news biden will sign the covid bill from the white house friday afternoon uh, just in, Jen Saki said Biden will send yeah sign it on Friday. House voting on it now, folks. It, it, it's not COVID relief. It's just this uh, ridiculous, incredible spending plan is what's really going on with that whole thing. I mean that's that's really what it is. It is not a matter of uh, any type. The COVID bill says more spending is fine, but cutting taxes is barred. Democrats to states, no new tax cuts. You know, it's disgraceful. The, the amount of money they're throwing out is uh, completely unnecessary. And and they these this is just a huge spending spree. That's what's going on. For those that are wondering, you know, yeah, families will get money. But there's so much money floating around with that, with this. It's it's not a covid bill. It's just it's a huge spending bill is what it is. Huge, huge spending bill. So now I want to um, just go through some of the other uh, top stories. And again, folks, good afternoon. It's John DePietro. It's 144 on this sunny Wednesday. We have um, we covered the situation. How about the there's a petition to get Piers Morgan walked off. Good morning, Britain. It's it's over 75,000 signatures now. And they're saying that 70, 41,000 people complained about him. It's more than doubled, almost double. Also, 42% of Americans now consider themselves germophobes because of the pandemic. 42% of Americans now consider themselves germophobes. You know, I, I, it's not that. It's people realize the danger that I've realized a long time ago. When you're on the radio, you've got to be healthy. And people are just the shaking of hands, going to things when they're sick, coughing out loud, going into the office when they're sick. You know, this business of germaphobes and people saying, anyone notice that the flu numbers are way down? The flu numbers never should have been high. Yeah, you know why the flu numbers are down? Because people are wearing masks. People are not going to work sick. People are washing hands and using hand sanitizer. You know, if you're someone that's ever lost a family member because of infections at the hospital, you know what caused that? was people not washing their hands, going into the hospital sick, people <clears throat> not wearing a mask and spreading of germs. If anything, less flu. What do you think? That, of course, then, you know, people are not going to get the flu as much. Germs are not going to spread as much, which means that people can, will live longer. There's many people that get sick and they're older and then they get pneumonia and that is their, you know, they die from that. If you take that out of the mix, and it never should have been in the mix in the first place, by the way, 42% of Americans now consider themselves germophobes. Hey, listen, you know, I I was always big on I'd like to look someone in the eye and shake their hand. But then you also realize that, let's face it, a lot of people, they're terrible on hygiene. They don't wash their hands. And am I, is what, did life come to a halt now that there's no more handshaking? People, you know, people never should have gone into the office sick. People shouldn't go to holiday parties sick. People shouldn't go to church sick. You're standing in line at a store and there's someone coughing behind you. Those things never should have been allowed. How about this headline NBA All Star Game gets record low TV ratings. Good. Glad to hear it. It's exactly right. Good. I'm glad. You know, they want to, I, and I predicted it, by the way, anyway. I mean, I was saying the fact that uh, there's some people, and they just don't follow it. But, you know, that that Oprah thing was just, there was a, a worldwide television event. And this is, that was on Sunday night. It's Wednesday. There's still fallout from it. Now, here's a story closer to home. And I want everyone paying attention right now. Whatever you're doing right now, one forty-seven. And maybe you're wherever you can hear my voice, either AM 1380 or 99.9 FM, or maybe a listing online at the website, Petro.com. Florida may ban drop boxes used for mail-in ballots. Florida may ban the drop boxes used for mail-in ballots. Florida could ban voting drop boxes months after the election, where they proved immensely popular with voters amid the pandemic. A state senator, the chair of the State Ethics and Elections Committee released a revamped election proposal, completely banned drop boxes for ballots. They contend he was pushing for the change due to concerns, due to real security concerns, the boxes were being left unsupervised. I just want to maintain the chain of evidence from the time they vote to the time it gets counted. I like who could not name any specific incident that sparked the legislation. Folks, they're big on this. They won't give you the evidence, and then what do they say to us? You have to prove the voter fraud. the state senator that's proposing, you can mail or bring it to the office. That's it. Uh, I'm at a loss of words. It's a solution looking for a problem. I See, I disagree with that. Because in Rhode Island, the reason why they have those drop boxes, those of you who listen to the show should know the answer here. The reason why they have it is because if you commit voter fraud, as much as the penalty is not strong, what you can get charged with is mail mail fraud. If you send a, a ballot through the mail that you're not supposed to, that you are fraudulently voting, even though the even though the um, the the penalty on the voter fraud may be you know light, mail fraud still gets thrown into the mix. So that was put in to allow ballot harvesting where you have someone for the works for the campaign. So you work for a campaign, and you go out, and they pay you per vote. So every vote that you get, you can prove that you brought it in. You get paid. And many times, it can be as high as $20 a vote. So, folks, do the math. Do the math. So think about that. Twenty dollars a vote, you get ten votes. Well, that's a quick two hundred bucks. Think if you get one hundred votes, twenty dollars a vote. That's right. Two quick two grand. It, and it goes up from there. People making forty, fifty thousand, collecting all these mail ballot votes, and they have to prove it. But then they deliver the votes. See, that needs to be eliminated. If the Rhode Island Republican Party ever wants to be competitive in a statewide election, they need to get rid of some of these things that they're trying to say, oh, that's just the way we, we vote now. So there's also a great piece in the Wall Street Journal. School isn't closed for lack of money. Public schools with more Catholic school competition nearby will more likely to reopen in person in 2020. Folks, it's all about the money. Wall Street Journal, Corey DeAngelis uh, was one of the co-writers on this piece. The new COVID relief plan passed by the Senate includes, are you ready for this? 123 billion for K-12 public schools. Supposedly to reopen them. <clears throat> That's almost the amount the U.S. dedicated to the Marshall Plan to rebuild Europe after World War II. And it's on top of the mostly unspent 54 billion federal bailout for public schools from December and the 13 billion allocation from last spring, major teachers unions have repeatedly have claimed repeatedly public schools need gobs of cash to reopen in person. <clears throat> AFT, American Federation of Teachers chief Randy Weingarten, protests countless. Places lack the resources to implement the necessary safety provisions. But new analysis suggests funding is in the recent teacher unions are keeping schools closed. In fact, prior work had found union influence rather than scientific concerns is the primary driver behind reopening decisions. Private schools have either been open for most of the past year or been fighting to reopen. Kentucky private schools took the fight to the U.S. Supreme Court to return to in-person instruction. Private schools in Ohio, Michigan, pursued similar legal action. Private school in Sacramento, California, even rebranded itself as daycare to get around the government's arbitrary closures. Many teachers unions have been fighting to stay at home. The difference is one of incentives. Public schools get their funding regardless of whether they open their doors. In a study Published by Brown University's Anberg Institute found public schools with more Catholic school competition nearby were more likely to reopen in person in 2020. How about that, folks? It's disgraceful. Children belong in the classroom. We need more money. All they do is complain and say that they want more money. It's all about the money with that crowd. And remember what they say. When they say it's not about the money, you know that it's about the money. And with this crowd, it is all about, and there's, as I was saying, and it's never enough. It's never enough. It doesn't, uh, it just doesn't matter. It doesn't matter to them. They'll never be enough. They'll just burn through more. Folks, right now at one fifty-four. Good afternoon, it's John DePietro on AM 1380 and 99.9 FM. You can always listen online at the website, Depetro.com. Now remember, visit the website, DePetro.com. I want you to take advantage of Relaxed Souls, S-O-L-E-S, Reflexology, and Lisa Wood. You can call a text at 401-742-6621, 401 742 6621 Relaxed Souls. Now, what's reflexology? It's different than massage because it works from the inside out. It uses acupressure points, meridians to stimulate the body to heal itself. See, Lisa works on your hands and on your feet because your feet and hands can correspond to organs and systems of the body. So, what it does is it eases stress, helps your body work better. Deeply relaxed, healing from inside out, boost the immune function, face, ears, hands, and feet. Lisa Wood, Reflexology, direct link at the website, Lisa's terrific, DePetro.com. Or call or text her at 401-742-6621. <clears throat> well, folks, good afternoon. Here I am. It is Juan. It's John petro on am 1380 and 99.9 fm now as much as mayor lords is saying he's going to have some kind of a a briefing tomorrow i'll look into that i don't know if it's going to um be able to work (coughs) with uh with our schedule but the next covid briefing is going to be on friday rhode island for today rhode island reports 300 new 318 new covid cases three deaths And then the next briefing is going to be Friday morning. You know, last night, for those of you that don't follow me on Twitter, it's John DiPietro Show on Twitter. Ted Nisi, uh, who I follow and is terrific on WPRI. He was uh, tweeting out and, and he almost forgot about it, or at least I did. But he was tweeting out a year ago. He was looking at some of the statistics that they were looking at from a year ago. And so, one year ago, and it's it's incredible how much we have, you know, learned about COVID. How much, um, you know, the, the metrics of it has changed. And uh, just when you think about one one year ago, when the numbers they were putting out one year ago now, total tests sixty two. Presumptive confirmed cases of COVID, three. Test negative, 53. Awaiting results, six. And people self-quarantine, 290. You know what's amazing about that? But I even forgot that we were doing the whole thing, awaiting results. Imagine now if they were posting that. Now it's instant. Self-quarantine becomes people think nothing of it. We they certainly don't. No, I, I think do they even list the number of people that test negative? I don't. I don't think they do. But we've we've come a long way. And I want to um, just remind everybody that the I, I, I really believe. Now listen, this is this is kind of like hang tough time, right? Today's Wednesday, March tenth, and next Wednesday is St. Patrick's Day. Yeah, be nice. It would be fun if you had the vaccine. And then you could go out and see people on St. Patrick's Day, but for a lot of people, it's not going to happen. And then March 28th is Palm Sunday, and then Good Friday is April 2nd, and then Easter is April 4th. It would be nice, but what what we do know is the vaccine. It is available. More of it's going to be made available. It's not your imagination. They are. It's a political decision to do a lot of the teachers. And I I agree, you know, I I receive a lot of different. um, There's also been confusion at the VA in Providence, uh, and that's certainly a a problem. And people have had some problems with the vaccine, which is probably an understatement. Um, But the VA in Providence trying to address confusion over who can receive it from the VA. VA is vaccinating veterans of all ages. Uh, Enrolled veterans can walk in. Appointments can be made by calling, but there have been, like everything else, there's definitely been some confusion. And if you're someone who you have a compromised immune system, and you thought, "Hey, wait a minute," I thought I was going to receive the vaccine, you know, this week or next week. It's not your imagination. You did get pushback. It was a calculated decision for you to wait and vaccinate the teachers and get the kids back in the classroom. I didn't say it's fair. None of this has been fair. You have to wait another week. You have to wait two more weeks. At this point, that's just the way it is. Folks, listen, on this Wednesday, we're going to do it all over again tomorrow at 11. It's Sean DePietro. Enjoy this sunny Wednesday. The weather for the next two days is going to be terrific. Now, stay tuned. It's going to be the John Dion program following the two o'clock news. Remember, go to the website, petro.com if you want to get in touch with me. Great job by JR. Enjoy this sunny Wednesday. Stay tuned. Dion is next after the two o'clock news.
2: WNRI,
1: Socket.